Welcome to Climify, the podcast that connects climate scientists and design educators together so that we can help combat our climate crisis in our classrooms. The discussions on this program are geared to help you climify your syllabi to assign projects that not only teach design fundamentals, but also can have a positive impact on our climate. This episode is brought to you by Renourish. Renourish is your one-stop online resource for sustainable design and systems thinking strategies and tools for the graphic designer. You can learn more about Renourish on their website at re-nourish.org, or you can follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Renourish. Welcome to Climify. I'm Eric Benson, and I'll be your host this season as we talk to climate experts from all over the world to help us design educators fight the climate crisis in our classrooms. And yes, I'm also a design educator. I've been teaching for 15 years here at the University of Illinois. But even if you're not a design educator listening to this show, there's so much useful information jam-packed in each that you too can learn how to do your part to help reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. On this episode of Climify, I'm joined by Lisa Zimmerman. Lisa Zimmerman is a German-Irish design researcher and educator specializing in climifying the profession of the communication designer. She currently lectures at a broad range of students in the design faculty at Griffin College in Dublin, Ireland. She specializes in the areas of web design, typography, communication design, and digital tools and software. But rather than just integrating sustainability principles into the existing modules she teaches, she's developing a Certificate in Sustainable Communication Design program aimed at professionals. You can also find Lisa as host of Conscious Communication Design Podcast, which is available on all regular podcast platforms. You can also learn more about Lisa on her website, lisazimmerman.com. That's L-I-S-A-Z-I-M-M-E-R-M-A-N-N.com. And on Twitter and Instagram at CCD by Lisa. Well, it's, it's wonderful to have you here, Lisa. We're excited that you, you're in Ireland, and we're excited that you, despite the time zone difference, found the uh, time in the day to, to talk with us here on uh, Climify. Uh, so I just wanted to get things off by letting everyone know who you are and uh, getting the basics of what you do and where do you do it. Thanks, Eric, and thanks for having me. Um... I think um, if I have to describe what I do or who I am, I, I usually say I'm a design researcher and also educator. Mm-hmm. Um, so my background is in communication design and I specialize in sustainable graphic and web design, which I kind of call uh, conscious communication design for myself. Uh, but that's due to like terminology mostly. You have to trademark that, right? Yeah, well, see, it's mostly due to sustainability, having that like ambiguity um, with, you know, often being interpreted as like a business term. Uh, And then I don't really like the term graphic design either, because hardly anyone really works as just a graphic designer anymore. It's kind of like an it's it's the you know, the old term for a profession that doesn't really exist anymore. Like nowadays, you're not just a graphic designer, you are also 
you know ux or web designer or whatnot like it's that's why i prefer communication design as a term but then in the end when it comes to sustainable graphic design this is kind of like a coined term that we can find online when we're looking for, you know, what right. the, the thing that we do, like you and I. So that's kind of why I need that term. And um, whenever I write or publish something online, I would always use, you know, sustainable graphic design. But I'm kind of trying to add web design to that as well. So sustainable web design. Um, it's kind of like a another niche area, but there's there's more and more written about it as well. And I find it's it's very important for us as well um to consider the the uh, website of things because most yeah. graphic or communication designers are doing web-based products as well and there's probably a lot of people and and i was in this category when i first was doing more ui ux work where mm -hmm. i felt a lot better when i was doing it because i wasn't making these things that then you know were you know headed probably to the landfill but there's a lot yeah. of environmental impact with things that you make that are hosted online. Exactly, exactly. And we we need to consider their impact as well. Um, there's uh, something I heard recently uh, is if you have a very, if you have very little impact or the product that you're, you know, producing or designing has very little impact, its impact almost gets like uh, accelerated by, um, you know, it, but let's say an email, for example, it's very low in, uh, in in file size. It's mm -hmm. it's a couple of kilobytes. So it's seemingly unimportant if you think about you know storing an email, sending an email, keeping it in your inbox, not deleting it. Um, but then of course this adds up, and because we're not considering it as much, because it's such a little impact. Right. Um, right. But that's why it, why it's so dangerous, really. Because yeah, how many uh, million billions of people have are doing that? Right. Just saying. Yeah not deleting email. And especially this year, I find with uh, everything that we do online, all the, like, for example, my lectures are being recorded online, whether I'm doing them in person or not, they have to be like recorded and stored in a cloud. But I just kept thinking, God, it's like hundreds of hours of me talking right. in an online cloud. And I haven't been warned by the system so far that any of those recordings have been deleted. So that mm -hmm. must be hundreds of gigabytes at this stage of my online recordings and it's not just me so yeah it does make you you know it's yeah what's the climate footprint difficult. of all the zoom classes we've been teaching right exactly yeah yeah it's it's a tremendous amount of data that needs to be stored yeah. so i'm wondering then you know you most folks that i've i've met that have um are doing what we're doing social and environmental justice in, in the design world or even outside of the design world have had some sort of like epiphany or something happened to them that caused them um, to get involved. So I'm interested in how you got involved in sustainable design and in sustainable design education. Yeah, I love that question. Uh, I'm sure you get some really interesting responses from yeah. other people there as well, because yeah. it's something that is in the end quite personal. I think whoever uh, focuses on on uh, sustainability uh, probably does it out of you know um, uh, yeah for for personal reasons mostly uh, for most people I'd say um, I think I've always been very good at questioning <laughs> everything <laughs> myself <laughs> yeah even when I was a kid questioning not necessarily answering but questioning was uh, sure. Very good at that, um, but myself, my own morals and beliefs, 
uh, but also my surroundings. So um, I became vegetarian. I was 10 years old, for example, and then uh, um, later on vegan then. But um, I think this kind of like questioning nature has always been like uh, on my mind. And then I realized, um, I think the, the aha kind of moment must have been at the end of my undergrad studies as in communication design when I did my first internship mm-hmm. I did the internship as a copywriter actually in a uh, pretty standard ad agency uh, type setup and uh, realized in just the three months internship I mean I it had kind of dawned on me before that I might have actual issues working for certain clients but this is where I realized, okay, I can't, I can't actually do this job that I was made to do really. Like I dreamed all my life to be a graphic designer. It was like my big passion to design and uh, to advertise as well. I love advertising as a thing itself, Uh, communicating ideas and solving problems. That's my greatest passion. But I realized, yeah, I can't. I can't work for most clients really because uh, I wouldn't agree with their, with what they produce or how they produce it. And even in the three month internship, half of the projects that I had to do, I struggled myself with mm. um, even doing those. So basically I was at the end of my, uh, my undergrad, my education, and uh, I realized I can't actually execute this job that I was dreaming to do, I you know? Lost at that point. Sorry? I felt really lost at that point. Yeah, did you have the same kind of experience? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would say so. I, I, I did work um, in a number of different places where I just was like, yeah, like you, where uh, I just had a lot of ethical concerns about what was going on with what mm-hmm. I was making. And I did work in some advertising for a while and then it was completely inappropriate stuff. And, and it wasn't even environmentally related. It was just, you know, um, you know, body image type and mm. let's, let's Photoshop this and, and get rid of that. And, and it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just had some issues with, with all of that stuff. So I definitely and I don't. Uh, yeah. But I see, you probably had the same experience that uh, in my education anyways, I don't remember having talked about that in classes you know like we actually had we had a um, a module which was very progressive really um it was called green design um great lecture we talked about kind of it was it's kind of just touching though on on the surface of um creating more like like he was introducing us to projects where they use like sustainable kind of biodegradable packaging or something like that Um, in the end I still think like it was progressive and it was great uh, loved it but it was very much just touching on the surface I don't remember in any time during my education having really had you know this like debates about what should what should we be doing as designers Mm -hmm. and what should we maybe refuse to do as well should we question and I think I um, kind of I try to introduce that at any point when I think my students should be questioning something, I kind of like encourage them to. Um, so when I do like what uh, some of my modules are, um, I'm teaching Photoshop skills to not just communication designers, but to fashion and interior designers as well. So they're like first years and they're getting like an intro to Photoshop Illustrator and Design for me. 
And whenever I do a class on like photo retouching, the, the fashion designers are obviously, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so cool. I can, you know, liquefy filter and uh, squeeze in like, you know, those cheeks and make people skinny. And, um, but yeah, I, I try to like, you know, int introduce the thought of uh, having them decide what is ethical to do with a person's image, you know? Um, very, very interesting to have them. I mean, I don't really have the room to really have like a proper, you know, conversation about it, but I find that through practice, I can still encourage them to make up their own mind of what's right and what's wrong. So you were out of school in an internship for three months and mm. in advertising your dream job, um, realized it was not what you thought it was and yeah. very um, shaken and stirred by it. What did you yeah. do after that then? Like, how did you get into where you are now teaching? Like, obviously yeah. you went back to school at some point, but where did you say, I need to get involved in, you know, environmental or social justice issues with my work? Yeah. Um, I had decided after my undergrad studies, thankfully, to, <laughs> to do a master's. Um, and that's when I moved to moved back to Ireland, really, as well. I'm originally from Germany. So I did my undergrads in uh, Berlin and then uh, moved on to doing a master's in design practice. Um, so very general, really. And I hadn't really thought about, you know, what I was going to do in that master's yet. Um, but moving to Ireland then, um, it, it was a very, very loose defined masters <laughs> started it they weren't like giving us too many like directions we were very open in like what we were gonna like write about yeah and I um focused on sustainable graphic design and figured for myself because I knew the the agency landscape in Germany roughly from studying and internships and blah 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 um, but I didn't really know the landscape in Ireland yet. Uh, so I figured this is going to give me a good opportunity to learn, to get to know agencies, uh, potential employers, but also what sustainable graphic design is like in Ireland. So that's what I wrote my first thesis on. Uh, it's called Sustainable Graphic Design in Practice. Um, blah, blah, blah. But I was like <laughs> looking at the, at the overall landscape. So I interviewed uh, Irish graphic designers or people like working in that field on their views I kind of like tapped onto um into uh, their beliefs and their practices really and realized it's just it's not really a thing yet um that's that was 2015 so we have a little bit more going on now but it's not that much and definitely it's not reached education yet so we don't have any modules or courses in that uh, area yet um, yeah it is <laughs> but um even after that thesis then um I had you know discovered this niche area for myself and I figured okay cool so this is this is what I'm about this is what I researched uh, I know more about you know the, the practice side of things but I didn't know what to do mm. I didn't really want to work freelance I didn't really want to work for an agency so I've been like pottering around and I didn't feel uh, confident enough I'm like one of those typical cases of um, people who have like a great idea but don't feel confident enough to actually go for it yeah so I did another master's then in environmental sciences um, so you have two masters now 
I'm doing my third one right now, yeah. actually. <laughs> you should feel very confident then with all those master's degrees. No. It, it, took, it took me the three now to actually, you know, oh, gotcha. uh, start going. I know it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it's not. I, I, feel the <sighs> way, I feel the same way about a lot of stuff that, yeah. that I do. And once you put it out there, you automatically say, oh, shoot. I, why did I yeah. do this? You know? I just wish for other people that they can, you know, kickstart it a bit earlier when they have a great idea because I wasn't ready for it. I always thought, oh, I don't know the Irish market well enough. I haven't really worked as a graphic designer much except for freelance work. So I didn't really know the, you know, the, the agency life and I still don't really. And that's why I didn't feel confident enough to engage with designers to say, hey, this is, you know, what we should be doing. Because I always felt like, well, I'm not from this country and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not actually like working as a graphic designer either. So who am I to tell you what to do? Like, you know, um, but I have to like just finally overcome this. <laughs> so, yeah, then the, the the master's in environmental sciences, I did some research on like um, on paper, actually, which is really fascinating. Um, so I looked at um, paper sizing recipes. So paper sizing is the uh, method of uh, uh, treating pulp or like paper um, so to, in order to make it printable. So that there's like chemicals involved in that. And uh, I looked at those and thought that was like fascinating, which also made me realize though, you know, one of the big issues is a lack of collaboration between industries. Mm -hmm. Do you know how, um, I think in interior design, fashion design, sustainability is so, or in other areas of design really, is sustainability is ingrained in the whole process. There's like certifications and, and labels and stuff like that. We don't really have that for graphic or communication we design, not no. yet. No, not yet, not really. Um, and I find it's also because there's been this eternal miscommunication between designers and printers for example who have always like not liked each other and <laughs> don't really like to talk about stuff but um yeah you know talking about print processes and and uh uh how to set up documents properly to avoid like uh, to avoid paper waste um yeah these can be like little that. like uh fundamental but you know overlooked things that you don't learn in in design school i had to learn right yeah job and it, I did get yelled at by a printer in, in my one of my first jobs. You know, I sent over a Pantone color and didn't tell him about it. And, uh, you know, that cost a huge amount. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I didn't learn any of that stuff in school. But. Yeah. They, they, printers always hate us. And I have full understanding for it. <laughs> <laughs> because no one teaches you properly in, in um how to set up your documents uh, there's so much to teach that's one of the things yes. that, yeah. yeah there's so but much but it also has to stuff. be like a it has to be a constant learning curve as well oh yeah like yeah. we have to just collaborate better and then the same goes with uh, paper technology i find that's the the printers usually don't know anything about the paper that they're using um and what's involved in the process or when is my paper like how much can i print on it and do with it until it becomes like not recyclable anymore like that's stuff that you know we still have to learn about uh, oh yeah and I, I work with paper too and i ask students you know where does your paper come from and they have no i mean trees you know they know that much 
but <laughs> where, where in the world does it does it happen? And uh, and yeah. especially in North America, it's a couple places, and it might be the same in in Ireland. Where where does all the paper come from in Ireland? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, that is a good question. Uh, well, all, all our paper really comes from abroad. Um, I don't think I it didn't find any paper manufacturing in Ireland uh, in the past research. But yeah, that is a good point, and that's mm -hmm. what is so interesting in Ireland as well. That um, you know, we are a small island. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, everything has to be imported. So right. when you're looking at um, you know using sustainable graphic design books, resources. Most of them are written in uh, in the States, mm -hmm. some maybe in Europe, but then ha half of that isn't really usable for us here in Ireland because, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to consider the whole life cycle of the whole of the product. And if I'm if I'm using recycled paper, but that comes from further than uh, FSC certified paper, that's from closer, you know, comes from the UK. And now with Brexit, it's all like total mayhem anyways. Oh, but <laughs> because we we don't yeah have to figure out where our stuff comes from but another podcast right there right um yeah I, I kind of was wondering about this stuff when uh, thinking of uh you know choosing sustainable printers uh which is often like you know mentioned as one go-to kind of method for sustainable graphic design you know pick your one good printer eco-friendly printer mm -hmm. that prints with soy inks and um uses recycled papers or certified papers uh, and I couldn't find any in Ireland so wow. what what do I but we have I found one now <laughs> but um I still wonder what do I even recommend you know if I do a talk or if I have a conversation with either students or designers do I say um choose a sustainable printer but then that would be in the UK so you would have to get that shipped over here which wouldn't be very sustainable. Or do you talk to your local printer and see what you can do with them? And it might be not soy-based inks, but at least you can work with, you know, the process or the, the papers. Yeah, I don't know. This is all, yeah, it's very difficult <laughs> to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah, and you've mentioned um, sustainable graphic design many times or sustainable design. And yeah. I'm curious, you know, since you have working on your third master's now, like. How do you define it, and, and um, are we getting close to it yet? Great question, yeah. Um, I define it for myself, sustainable design in general, as um, looking at the whole life cycle of a product or service, of anything that we produce, and looking at each individual step and trying to optimize it. So each individual step within that life cycle, how can we optimize it? How we, can we reduce the environmental footprint of every single thing that's involved so that's kind of why we can't ever reach you know sustainability like, i mean you know it's always about the reduction of the impact because we're always going to have an impact right so even if i even if i manage to produce something that is uh not being downcycled but actually you know doesn't lose in value when it's being when it's staying in the cycle basically even then I'm using resources and we're talking a lot about carbon neutrality uh, neutrality is that word? <laughs> being, being car <laughs> good. carbon neutral, being carbon neutral, <laughs> um, which for a lot of company means offsetting, you right. know, and then 
it, does that actually mean being neutral? Not really. That's Not really. To, to me, it's like it's like uh, I'm still sinning, and then I go to confession, and you know, to say it in <laughs> traditional uh, Irish Catholic terms. That's a good comparison. That's a good right. It's I'm like yeah. So you so you sin, then you confess, and then you're forgiven, and okay. So that's kind of what I don't know. To me, that's what um, offsetting means uh, in the end. I mean, of course, it's kind of, it's better than not doing anything, but is right. that solving the issue? So we're, we're always having an impact, um, but we need to work on reducing that. So we can't ever have the perfect sustainable product, whether that's a service or, you know, in communication design terms, it would be like a web or print product most of the time, mm -hmm. um, or um, any tool of communication really. Let's take a quick break and come back after these commercial messages. Where do young designers see themselves at the intersection of climate change and innovation? And how can we teach that intersection in the classroom? Designers are problem solvers, capable of imagining solutions for a more sustainable future. We have a bigger role to play in all phases of the design process, not just the beginning. My name is Rachel Cifarelli, graphic designer, recent college grad, and part of the Climate Designers EDU team. And after graduating, I realized today's classrooms tend to skip over that universal side of design. So if you're a design educator, I want to hear from your students. Help set in motion the first ever project that centers students at the intersection of design education and climate change. I want to know what your students think about sustainable design, how they see climate change impacting their future careers, and what even comes to mind when they hear the term climate design. Send your students to climatedesigners.org slash edu slash new wave survey to take the five question survey or sign up for an interview with me. Help me inform a new wave of design education, one that teaches every designer how to be a climate designer. Most of us know what we need to do to help the planet, like more solar, trees and more bicycles. But even the best of us can get pretty stuck with figuring out how we motivate and inspire millions of people and governments around the world to adopt change. But there is a way. My name is Katie Patrick. I'm an environmental engineer, a designer, and an author. And I interview expert PhD researchers from top universities around the world, like MIT, Harvard, and Stanford, about the psychology of environmental action. And I put these interviews out on my podcast called How to Save the World. I'm inviting you to join me on this wild intellectual journey into the heart of the environmental psyche so that we can unearth these fascinating and critical teachings we can use in our climate campaigns, programs, designs, and startups. You can find my podcast, How to Save the World, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and at anchor.fm forward slash Katie Patrick. I wonder then, you know, that because I know when I was involved with finding out about sustainable design and maybe you as well, I looked at it as like, okay, we need to do this. This makes sense. And, and we need to minimize our impact. And, and now I'm a design educator. I'm older and you are too. And there's this thing called the climate crisis. And mm. 
that for me really jump started the like I need to do more right you know uh, yeah. there's a there's a clock that's ticking and so I'm wondering for you like you're a design educator you're a designer what do you think designers and design educators can do best to help fight uh, the climate crisis, draw down those emissions? Mm. Um, I think every single person on the planet has, you know, has to be aware of their responsibilities, but a designer, a graphic designer specifically should be aware of theirs because we have a lot of influence like our job is literally to influence consumer behavior. That is kind of, you know, what we do. Um, so we need to be really aware of that responsibility and uh, whatever we, we do with that responsibility. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, which, what, what is ethical and what isn't. And when it comes to what isn't, you know, what can I do about it? Um, I think that's uh, that's kind of the main thing. Um, as an educator, I'm trying to have my students be aware of that, of the influence that they're having, that they're the impact that their job is going to have, so that they can build their own ethical framework. Hopefully, that's kind of I think the ultimate goal that students learn to uh, decide for themselves what's right and what's wrong. And I do have a bit of hope there that um, I find the, the the new generation, Generation Z that's coming up there, you know, the Friday for Future guys, they're, they're amazing in that they're, you know, raising their voices about stuff that we've all been, you know, screwing up for them. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I have high hopes that they're going to be a generation that enters the workforce saying, I'm not going to do that, you know, like as in, you're giving me a task and I'm not agreeing with it. And I'm just saying, no, I think yeah. so far we've all been, I think uh, with, with generation Y has kind of like started to, to question this a little bit, you know, and like started wanting to have like a different work-life balance and mm -hmm. questioning work hours and work ethics. But I'm hoping that with, you know, that, that we're getting to a stage where, we're all questioning whether what we do for a living is like the right thing to do. And not just what we do for a living as a job itself, we all need to do our jobs like, but um, in practice, I think that means also saying no to a client or educating them. And that's kind of part of sustainable design. I think that, um, if a client is completely disagreeing in principle with my beliefs, I might be better off saying, no, I'm, I'm not gonna work with them. I'd rather focus on someone else. And I know that's a very bold statement. Um, I, I used to be very wary of, of saying this, but thankfully there's more uh, sustainable designers popping up now that are saying the same thing that we need to, you know, um, make, make selections as well with who we work with. Um, and even if, we don't want to do that or you know we see potential with the client in in maybe shaping the way we can communicate for and with them that maybe we can you know like i don't have to like choose if, if i work as a designer or in an agency i don't necessarily have to say okay i'm only working with you know xyz clients now which would be very limiting 
but we, maybe with some, I could say, okay, do you know the, the, the idea for this ad campaign is not really, you know, what we can, what we should be doing. Or if you have like any concerns, maybe raise them and just say, you know, it's not, not the right thing to do. So steering them into the better correct uh, direction. If that makes yeah, sense. So you're going to have to know a lot before you get there. Right. Which, yes. you know, well, that's our job as educators, right? So yeah. help them, our students get there. How do you, how do you help your students? Um, I, I think it's kind of a two-part question for me because uh, I think there's, there's a couple of components here. I think the first part is like, how do you get your students to that information, right? As an educator, I know you said there's not a class in, in Ireland about this, but you can kind of, yeah do that in, in other ways. Um, and also too, I think a lot of us as educators have experienced, you know, the Gen Z and all the stuff that they're going through. How do you get them from a mental health and, and perspective to not just be apathetic and sit back and, and, you know, not do anything, you know? So that's why I think it's a two-part question. You know, get them the information and how do you, how do you handle like the, the mental health side of it yeah that's a, that's a good one <laughs> it is really tough um i've been doing like a really heavy loaded kind of project with uh, my very small communication design class last year and had some of them really struggle with like they were able to decide themselves in the project which uh ethical dilemma they wanted to tackle basically um mm -hmm. so they chose all of the topics were very heavy from like mental health to um, uh, voter suppression um, to violence against women. So they all had like very like heavy topics and some of them got like personally, yeah, very personally involved and you could see them like getting worse state every week, you know, it was uh -huh. uh, yeah, difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is, it is a very important question, that's true. Um, I think so, going going back to the, the first part of your question, really giving them the information, um, it's definitely something that I'm like in, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's two sides to it, I think. Uh, you can, like all of us that are involved in, in this, trying to make our profession more sustainable or, you know, uh, reducing our environmental footprint or raising awareness. We can create communication ourselves um, or create, you know, work on the curriculum and include it that way. So I'm working on my own course right now, a certificate course in sustainable graphic and web design that I'm looking to propose to colleges uh, that would be aimed at professionals though. So as an add-on um, uh, after, you know, either having worked in industry already or directly after their undergrads. Um, so, you know, designing an own course could be, a, could be a way to go, but also, you know, we can, we can use our, um, besides our regular teaching, uh, any other means of communication. I've seen the, the most sustainable graphic design courses that I've seen pop up were like privately organized. So there's, um, uh, little Fox Design in Canada, there's a Domestica course, there's a LinkedIn course in sustainable mm -hmm. design, 
And then I think there's one Australian one. So they're all like uh, privately organized, so not through an yeah. institu higher education institution. What's going on with that? <laughs> I don't know, but um, it's it's still like it's it's a trend, definitely. I think, and they might be easier to consume. You know, most of those are like overall, it's like video footage of like two to three hours. Um, so maybe that's you know easier more palatable to people easier to digest um you don't yeah. have to commit to like a, a whole you know a whole certificate course or something yeah well i also think it's back to what you were saying a little earlier is that you have to teach these students so many things on an undergrad level with printers and um, yeah. basic fundamentals and then advanced techniques is that you run out of time right and i i see a lot of sustainable design courses in the grad level more so, yeah. and maybe that's one of the reasons why, or not enough people can yeah. teach it, not enough people can teach it. True, yes, there's not enough people that can teach it, that's for sure. Um, and it takes a long time to change the curriculum of an existing, existing course, an undergrad course, isn't it? A lot of red tape, I, I, I went through this and it took like, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many years, like three years. <laughs> Oh, wow. Amazing. Like but you, you actually managed to change the curriculum of your undergrad yeah. course? Yeah, and it integrate took all the people, all the people who taught there to do it. Amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's a great success story, but it's... That is a huge accomplishment. I don't hear enough of those success stories. That's, no. That's the problem. Yeah. So in the college where I currently teach, um, the communication design course, it's like a three-year course and it's very new still um so oh, it's also for me is it like a, a relatively new like I'm in my third year of teaching now still relatively new to teaching you know where do I start like integrating those but I have been asked to like you know um uh look over existing modules and I can integrate stuff so I'm teaching the typography module for example so integrating um concerns around accessibility and diversity um into the curriculum wherever i can i would you know drop those things in so when i get a chance to uh, revise modules um you know like giving my input there and even if you can't as an educator if you don't get the chance to to modify that you can still in existing projects well you can write your briefs specifically so they include you know mm -hmm. something um, so if I have them do a product design, I would use, you know, uh, specifically brands that already, you know, are in that area or making something more sustainable. Um, but I find it even more important because I noticed, I think in their first year with my students, I did a lot of like, they, they kind of figured out very early on that that was kind of my direction. You know, they had to do like a, a recycling bin label project, for example. And they, it, it, sometimes it felt a bit like they're doing it for me or they're doing it just because, <laughs> well, it's how I chose the brief. Um, but I try to kind of sprinkle it in with regular briefs as well. Yeah. and kind of make them question their own thoughts or medium as well. So if we're saying, I mean, good communication would generally be more sustainable, you know, like it, it does go hand in hand very often. Like um, 
even if you advertise for your uh, local takeaway, would the would printing out brochures and distributing them to thousands of or the hundreds of households um, would that be the best means of communication, or would online ads be more successful? Like right. always considering, you know, which medium would be the best platform so that we're not wasting resources. And it doesn't, it's not really print versus web. It is an overall consideration of what's the best means of con uh, communication. Yeah, for sure. I think your advice to educators who don't have the sustainable design class, but yeah. want to sprinkle it in, as you said, is, is perfect. Mm -hmm. I experienced that when I first started teaching too. I, I called it, uh, I wanted to give the students the soup but I couldn't give them the soup, so I had to put vegetables in all the little classes. So they they got all the they got it all. It's a nice metaphor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've mentioned a few times that you are frustrated about the lack of classes, especially in Ireland, especially in your school. So I'm giving you the opportunity here. You're creating a dream design course. Maybe it's a project, curriculum, however you want to frame it. <laughs> on sustainable design, on, you know, the, the planet and the cr climate crisis, what would you create? What would it be? I mean, it could be as big as, you know, don't worry about money. Don't worry about bureaucracy, <laughs> but what, what would you, what would you want to create? Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's a difficult question. Um, when I tried to prepare for this course, I thought about it, you know, um, especially because I am currently creating a course myself. So it made me wonder, is this my dream course? <laughs> I mean, it should be, obviously, but it's, um, it's, it's also considerations of, you know, what's feasible and what makes sense. And I'm still, I still have to, like, figure that out most, mostly, really. Is my, is my market even there, you know? So what I'm currently designing is a certific certificate course in sustainable graphic and web design. I'm um, envisioning like a three module certificate. Um, so we would have one module for general business practice, one based around printing and one based around uh, web products uh, or web design. Um, and this would be aimed at professionals. But of course, when we talk about, you know, changing the curriculum of uh, for undergrad courses, that's really what it should be like. Like there, there ultimately there shouldn't be a need for a certificate course like the one I'm designing right now because it should be part of all of the undergrad courses already. Yes, but we need to get there somehow. Um, like there's only very very few people in Ireland that I know that are you know even concern themselves with sustainable graphic design. Um, very few people so we don't even we wouldn't even have the educators for a course really um so we need to educate all of us <laughs> right. i suppose but it's it's difficult isn't it like i don't know how you do it like how do you talk if you on, on if you're in the street and you meet like <laughs> your your box standard i don't know sounds awful now but like a regular graphic designer yeah how, how do you tell them what you do or focus on without sounding demeaning or you know like they are doing something wrong oh gosh so you're flipping the table here okay uh sorry no it's <laughs> because fine. i don't have see that's what i mean i'm good at asking questions not so good at answering all right, all right. That's a great question you know i'm i'm um 
I'm, I'm even terrible at explaining before I was doing this, like what I did as a, as a designer, you know, I remember telling people like, I'm, I'm a designer. I do, you know, graphic design or I do digital work. And then they would always ask if I was a fashion designer or, you know, I'm <laughs> furniture. And so when I've, so when I get, so when I get into that point, you know, I'm talking to other graphic designers about it. I do feel like you said, I do feel like I'm talking down mm. and I don't, I don't like that feeling because it makes me, you know, I'm sort of elevating what I do, you know, like, why haven't you guys thought about this? Why are you still yeah. doing it? Um, nice. So the, the few times where I have been asked that question, uh, let me think. Um, geez, I think, I think I was just sort of saying to them, like, um, I really consider, you know, the environmental and social impacts of the things that I make. It really is concerning to me. And I usually don't get many like follow-up questions after that. <laughs> so I don't know if it was good yeah. or they just were like, I don't know what she means and I don't really want to talk about it anymore. But that's a really good question. I, how about, do you have a better answer than that? I hope you do because <laughs> mine's... <laughs> Um, not really, but I, I think that's what's been holding me back the whole time in like getting out there and getting my knowledge out there mm. um, is that I didn't feel confident enough to, to stand there and like teach people who are doing their job for I like, God knows how long, longer than me anyways, because I didn't really practice it that much um, and telling them what to do. Uh, that can't really be the answer. But I think... Um, I'm getting there now because I realize it has to be a conversation and it always has to remain a conversation and an iteration process anyways. So I can only get more knowledgeable on how to approach them if I start talking to them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have to start doing workshops with people and maybe calling them workshops rather than talks or presentations. And um, so that it becomes clear that it's a, it's a two way thing. You know, it's not me telling them what to do, but rather, me questioning with them on what we can, how we can do it better. Well, you do ask good questions, so that would be <laughs> thank you. <Gratitude. laughs> but I think that's that's kind of all I can recommend as well is like constantly asking ourselves, like, is is it right what I'm doing, or is there a better way of doing it? And that's all we can do, really. There's never a good or perfect answer or solution to anything. No, no. I mean, I think the first two people I I interviewed on this podcast for climate scientists and the question to them was, you know, what can we do to stop our climate um, crisis? Mm. And their number one answer was, you got to talk about it. Both of them said this, you need to talk about it and then reflect yeah. upon it. Right. And so that's where that's the two way dialogue you're talking about. It's not just you lecture yeah, exactly. like empty vessels and, and they, and they learn everything from you. It's, it's a back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. So we're coming up on time here. I wanted to give you a moment to, um, since most of our audiences are design educators, as a design educator yourself, what kind of advice would you give to another design educator or just in general, if, if they're interested in this topic, how should they get started on it? And how can they learn more so that we can change this issue of all these, you know, non-sustainable design classes, or it just has a bedrock foundation of what we do in design. Yeah. 
How do we change oh, the world, Lisa? Please give us the yeah. Uh, let's start. So number one, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, okay. I think the most important thing is that we uh, that we are aware of our responsibility as educators. Um, which is a, a big one and <laughs> can be very frustrating to think about because it's it's a massive responsibility. But in the same way, making our students aware of the responsibility they hold, like they're not, okay, it sounds silly when I say that now, but it's not like they're, they're not just learning a profession, like it's, it's more like they're gonna be communicators and they need to decide on what they want to communicate. Mm um and figure out for themselves you know what's important to them and what not what isn't uh yeah so i think yeah making them aware of their responsibility that's the that's the one thing and that's what we can do like every single day in every class you know pointing out why something is important that's part of teaching anyways um but why why they should care i suppose about uh, about certain issues and how it ties in with their future job um, that's probably that's that's one thing yeah and apart from that whether my colleagues that are listening to this um, are designing their own courses which would be great whether they are integrating it into the existing curriculum by maybe focusing the next brief on something in that direction or even phrasing the brief so that students have to ask themselves certain questions. Mm -hmm. That can be one thing. Uh, even if you work with existing briefs, you can focus your attention towards a questioning kind of um, inquiry, which is you know part of problem solving anyways, um, but directing them, I, su I suppose, into uh, sustainable or environmental considerations. And, Apart from that, we need to all kind of organize ourselves a bit better. I think the climate designers platform is, is a really good start. Um, uh, I kind of hate that there, there isn't really enough people in Europe uh, joined up there yet. So if there's any Europeans listening to this, <laughs> please <laughs> join the climate designers because that's, you know, that's what we need, not necessarily this one platform, but it's one of what we can, we, we can use social media, we can use whatever, but we need to connect all design educators. We need to connect uh, and not just in the, in the standard kind of conference national level, yeah. um, but internationally. Uh, because we can learn from each other on how we can change how design is being taught. Like we're on a massive kind of uh, curveball right now on how design is changing, um, especially communication design changing so much because there's more that's being asked of us, of the profession, of the job Obviously. than a couple of decades ago. Like it's, it's constantly evolving and sustainability has to be part of this mm -hmm. so we need to figure out how we can integrate it and maybe maybe figure out how we can change curriculum the curriculum in general a little bit quicker <laughs> I'm, I'm still very new to the education system but it is a bit frustrating when you're coming from when you're used to 
I don't know, even working in corporations, you know, where policies can be changed quite quickly, actually. Right. No, but then you, but then you enter the education sector and you're like, oh yes, this is the, the norm for the next four or five years. And then we can like kind of talk about it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very frustrating. I, I laugh, uh, I'm crying inside when I yeah. hear <laughs> Yeah. And I, I still have to like figure out how all of that works, but I would wish that, you know, we would, we would do more like, uh, even within my college or that there would be like more roundtable discussions on how we can change things um, yeah, and keep them up to date. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, we need that stronger community and things that I learned about teaching sustainable design weren't on, were not just my ideas. They were ones that I taught uh, and learned with other people. You know, like it's the way that we build it up. You know, it's not yeah. one person uh, doing it all. It's yeah, not, not a hero's game here. Where <laughs> we all need to be individual heroes. You know, every day. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thanks so much um, for, for thank you, Eric. This was a yeah, great conversation. <laughs> it was, and it's, it felt like I could go on a little bit longer, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trying to keep it to 45 minutes, but yeah. definitely thank you so much. And it was great having you. Thank you, Eric. It was fantastic to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in today to Climify, but don't leave just yet. I've got more goodness for you coming up. Music. As the pandemic has really affected our friends in the performing arts, where they're unable to book shows, tour, or sometimes even get into a recording studio, I thought I'd highlight one at the end of each of our episodes. Since this is a podcast for designers, the musicians featured on each are also designers. Well, I'll turn it over to our first artist to explain who they are and the reasons behind their music. Hello, my name is Kurt Bielema and I work as an art director for Illinois Public Media, a dual licensee PBS NPR station located at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. My song is from my first release, Typeset, and it's called Passing Phase. It's a song about making mistakes, understanding change, living the drama, and making amends. You know, relationship stuff. I have a new album coming out next month called Space. It hits a little harder with songs about life and death, society, and of course, relationship stuff.
Yesterday was strange, what's more so the times have changed, all in for the passing listening to Climify. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To catch all the latest on Climify, you can follow us on Instagram at Climify Podcast. Climify is part of Climate Designers. Learn more at climatedesigners.org slash edu.